0: unzip that monogrammed faux-leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, to quote Aerosmith, we're back in the saddle, and uh, I'm full of peanut M&Ms, God's gift to humankind. Why
1: wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be? It's COVID. We all have a... Are things that we need to cope with?
0: Yeah, they're small, like medicine. It's almost—I feel like it's like a healthy <laughs> dietary supplement.
1: It's got protein.
0: Right. It's got a peanut in there. I mean, that's—that's that's
1: right. How about that? Keep telling yourself. And then it's—it's it's, you know chocolate it's from a the vegetable. cacao.
0: It grows. Man. It's a seed pod. Cacao. So, that's uh, right. but it's good. How are you doing? You're looking Great. skinny. you were in an ascot. You've got—you uh, got looks like you got a haircut. I mean, you're drinking Topo Chico. Just, you're like peak hipster over there. I
1: I actually can't get enough of Topo Chico. Um, Thank you, Texas, for or Mexico for that wonderful... But I found it in Texas on a trip. I was there one time, and I do have an ascot on that masks as my mask. It's a bandana, so, people. Anyway. Don't, don't
0: imagine him on a yacht. He's not like the skipper. It's just a bandana. Just
1: got off the yacht with Steve Bannon.
0: Hey! So when, <laughs> Boy, that was exciting. No one saw that one coming. But then he left, and there was more champagne for the rest of us.
1: That's right. Buffy uh, and I snickered. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tad, look what's How happening to Banny. you Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Building a wall. Okay. Uh, we lost the four conservative listeners yeah. that we had Oh, uh, Stay anyway. with us.
0: We love you, and so does Jesus. And who knows? Maybe you're right and we're wrong. Uh, by the way, I will we'll say... We'll talk about
1: that in Romans. Will, so we'll yeah, that's talk about right, that, that in that's Romans.
0: That's right. I'll say Jake and I politically all over the map. Some of you, any of you who think you know what Jacob Smith's political beliefs are, let me tell you, you do not. He is crazy as a crazy thing. And uh, he just reads all the wrong websites. Well, I've never even heard but, of them.
1: But crazy which direction, we're not going to tell you. I know. So anyway. I know. It's a, you'll have to come to Mockingbird and find that out at a, 11 at night. That's right. You're a mystery. In the courtyard wrapped, over cigarettes. Wrapped in an so. enigma, shrouded in a <laughs> conundrum. You're a, I'm like a I'm like a peach and prosciutto. <laughs> Ooh, it's like I'm sweet and salty. I know. So
0: anyway, <laughs> sweet and savory, baby. Keep it spicy. It's like ratatouille up in this? here. Okay, let's, enough let's with get this. to the episode. On to the Bible. People, people have got to preach. So yep. um, if you're listening to this, it means you are preaching on September 13th, or you have poor taste in podcasts, and you <laughs> want to learn about the Bible. <laughs> And here we are. The readings that we're looking at today are Exodus 14.
1: That's really good. You do have four tastes in podcasts if you're listening to this.
0: But shout out to our audio engineer, TJ. He does incredible work for us. Okay, He does. keeps it real. He cleans it up. That's right. Takes out all the cuss words and references to my little pony. Takes it from
1: an F to about a C minus. That's right. That's
0: right. Solid mediocrity. Okay, Exodus 14. And then we move on to Romans 14, and I wish we were moving on to Matthew 14, because it'd be cool, but instead, it's just Matthew 18. So, we're going to get through the Red Sea with the Israelites, we're going to hear St. Paul talk about uh, Christians who are quarreling about dietary issues and other things, and then we're going to talk... And border walls. That's right, then we're going to talk about Matthew 18, and... peter who thinks he's generous but really ain't so we start here exodus 14 the israelites uh have been released from egypt because the firstborn of the egyptians was struck down and pharaoh says get on out and they leave and then what happens
1: well here they are and so they they pack up and then uh pharaoh has a change of heart and he's like wait my entire um Economy (laughs) is about to disappear. You know everything that's holding my country up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you are what are making oranges so affordable. Come back. I won't won't do it again. uh, I promise. So anyway, he's coming out with an army, but he's not coming out to you know to uh, be nice. He's coming out to to butcher them. And here's 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 the thing: a lot of people will preach on a text like this, and they'll want to get in the weeds (pun intended). Um, on, and you know, is lake. this the Reed Sea, a shallow lake, or is this the actual Red Sea? Probably think it's the Reed Sea. Right. It doesn't matter. That is not the point. The point is, is that Israel is out. Israel is about to be slaughtered by Egypt, and they know it. And here you begin to see the shift from the fear of man to the fear of the Lord. And, um, you know, the fear of man happens when you're not quite sure, when when faith isn't attached. And the fear of the Lord is what happens when faith is attached. So this is really an illustration, once again, of faith. And so the people, they see uh, the Egyptians coming up over the horizon. They're like, good Lord, Moses, what have you done? Because they they think, like a lot of people, that Moses is the protagonist of this story. Nothing could be further from the truth. And they're like, so what have you done, Moses? You brought us out here to kill us, you know? And, um, and, uh... And here is, and maybe if you're a pastor, you're in a place right now where um, a lot of people are feeling fearful. You're starting to work on 2021 budgets, and they're like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know, you know, God can't provide, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and here, Moses is brought out to a place of uh, of faith, not believing what he can see, but believing what he's heard. And um, I'd like to read you two quotes on faith from um, one from Gerald Handy. Jansen's. Gerald Jansen's quote, uh, commentary on the book of Exodus. And he says this. It's really good, everybody. Um, Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is fear that takes itself to God and there finds the freedom and the voice both to call for God to act and to give reassurance to others whose own fear leads them backwards. Mm. So you can see the nation of Israel wants to go backwards Uh, there's a lot of us that are going to want to go backwards. But this is where we call out to God. We have to go by what we can't see and then trust that he's going to carry us into the future. And that's what that's all about.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel like if they are afraid of something, it must mean they don't have fear and they beat themselves up for it. But... You know, faith often looks like feeling afraid and still taking a step to move forward. And, you know, one of the things I love about this passage is that the cloud, which represents God's presence, we've seen that a lot in the New Testament with the Feast of Pentecost and the Mount of Transfiguration, God appearing in this cloud. And here, the cloud moves from in front of the Israelites to behind the Israelites. And many of us feel like, God is in front of us leading, and we ask God, lead, lead the way, show us the way, go before us, and we have this understanding of God that he's before us. But here, God moves to the back to protect them from something that's coming in really hot on their heels. And so, I think it's important to know that there are times in life when you don't see God, he's not in front of you where you think he should be, but he's actually behind you, He's still with you, just behind you, and protecting you from stuff that you may or may not ever be aware of. But uh, God's presence is is clear and is powerful, and um, and it's important in this passage to I think also get at the fact that it was, um, it was not crazy for the Israelites to be afraid because. They are Mm. facing this superpowers military. I think of the picture of the man standing in front of the tanks at the demonstration in Tiananmen Square in China in the 80s when there was a single human being standing in front of a line of about 20 tanks and and he was unarmed and just completely at their mercy. That's about the power differential that we have here between the Egyptian army and the Israelites. And yet, God saves them in this in this encounter and it's, it's incredible. And so I think it shows how for, for Christian people who we might have been saved from one situation, like the Israelites were saved from slavery in Egypt, but as soon as they thought they were okay, they weren't okay. There was another challenge and there's going to be other challenges and other challenges and other challenges for us in our Christian life. Um, But I think we can see here just the power and presence of God to defeat things that are bigger than us that we can't control. That's
1: right. Warning, this content is of, is offensive to the Chinese government. Which is what so. you have to
0: say. I learned this from you, Jake, uh, that um, in universities in the U.S. that cover material that is maybe not kosher in China, uh, like the Tiananmen Square uh, 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 incident, uh, if you're a college professor teaching this class and you have Chinese students who are tuning in online because of the pandemic, uh, you have to make that disclaimer. Um, and now we maybe the, have to make that disclaimer before our podcast. No. no, okay, we're good. No, we don't. No,
1: it'll be all right. But I just did it. Yeah, be extra sensitive. So, but yeah, and so here they are. They are at the um, they're at the edge of the Red Sea, and here uh, God begins to part the Red Sea, and um, and you know this is a very very important scene. You know, I was talking to um, a rabbi across uh, the park at the Brotherhood Synagogue, and he once we were talking about the Passover Seder, and we were talking about the the crossing of the Red Sea. And he said, you know, the the Seder is that the Passover meal is a significant is the significant moment for the people, for for the Jewish people. However, it is the crossing of the Red Sea where they become an actual people. And, uh, you know, and that's very significant in the sense that as Christians as well. Um, so this foreshadows our own baptism, and if you read the uh, the liturgy, the baptismal liturgy in the Book of Common Prayer, there are references through which you brought the children of Israel out of their bondage and slavery into Egypt into the promised land. Yep. And so this becomes a foreshadow of what we as Christians go through and how we become the people of God as well. Um, we go through the water of baptism, where we are freed and delivered from the bondage of slavery to sin. Death and the Devil, and so in this um, we have almost a a type and a shadow of Christian baptism. So those who were not a people have now been brought through the water and made a people, going forward into the promised land. And as you said, God does something amazing, but He is behind them, and they will face trials and tribulations that are to come. Yeah, I love it. The other side of the shores, you go a little further. There's the great song of Miriam, and uh, and I just always, as I read that passage, I just want to say, just wait. Yeah, it's about to get a lot worse. Yeah, and that's and so, that's
0: the thing about this uh, this thing we call faith and following God is that we always face these challenges, um, and we've faced them from the beginning. You know, I think. One of the things that's so powerful, too, is that, uh, well, two things. One, it says, as you always talk about, God is the protagonist of the story, and you see it when the Egyptians say, the Lord is fighting this battle for the Israelites, and they recognize it. And so, I think for us, recognizing, you know, we always, and I say we, meaning sort of Christian people, we often try to take matters in our own hands and make things come out the way we want. We try to fight our own battles, and... Um, I think it's always so important to come back again and again and again to realizing who is actually fighting the battle for us, which is God. I mean, the the other thing, too, is just at the end of it, they come out on the other side and they see all these dead Egyptians. And I think what that is saying to us is that there's no, you know, it shows us what normally happens when people pass through water. They die. Uh, (laughs) And these people haven't. They have, because of God's deliverance, they've come through, and they've essentially had this resurrection experience. Which, again, to your point, points us towards baptism. What happens in Christian baptism? We go into the water, but instead of drowning, we come out alive, and we are yeah. new and free, freed from something that we could never free ourselves from on our own strength, because only God can do that.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's a that's a kind of a great like way to like bring this particular passage to to like a conclusion in the sense that. They began with the fear of the Egyptians, but mm-hmm. now they end with the fear of the Lord. That's right. And so, and uh, and uh, uh, we were talking about this earlier, but um, the last two verses in verses 30 and 31, specifically in 30, it says, thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. And that's the introduction of a word, ha- Hashia, like into the, into the vocabulary here, which means saves. And uh, the noun of that is Yeshua. And so here, you know, we see that um, Jesus is the one, you know, who saves us through water as well, tying it into baptism. And indeed, this gives us eyes. uh, They get the natural eyes that they see the world as it is, which are dead Egyptians. But they also see with the eyes of faith now and uh, the fear of the Lord, which is God is the protagonist who has delivered them uh, from this thing and uh, God from slavery uh, specifically. And uh, God is the one who delivers us as well from slavery and um and we believe they believed in the lord and his servant moses and so that is a very powerful thing and that's that's the gift that we're given when we come out of the waters of baptism too is to believe in the lord and his servant jesus Mm. who's made it all possible Amen, and then so we get we
0: get born into this new community where we, we then can start fighting over things.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like what just to like eat. that first community. Yeah. So again, this no different. This so
0: we turn to Romans 14, where Paul is ending his letter. He's winding down, and he wants to address a reality that affected a lot of churches then and now, but just in different particulars. But they were quarrelling and they had a fight. And so what was going on is you had folks who were. From a Jewish background and folks who were from various Gentile backgrounds, and so Jewish people had really clear rules about what they could and couldn't eat, Uh, whereas for... Gentiles didn't. Gentiles had no rules. (laughs) They could eat whatever they wanted. And there were a lot, you know, other... And they did. And they did. They, you know, they had um, these feasts with meat, and this was the problem. It wasn't just that they were eating things that weren't kosher, they were also eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols, because in the ancient world, and in the classical world, you didn't, I mean, you could, and it did happen, but uh, just slaughtering an animal just to eat it. But generally, even if you in your own house went out to your livestock yard and slaughtered an animal to eat, you would offer you that thanks. blood. You, you would offer, yeah, you would offer it up to whatever your deity was. And so, and because in the Roman world, I mean, there were just sacrifices happening all the time. Athens, there's stories of how... It almost bankrupted the city, the amount of money they had to spend to buy animals just to kill them. And uh, unless it was a burnt offering, the sacrificed animal would then be slaughtered, butchered, and and eaten. Um, and so the, the Jewish people had a real concern, not just to not eat the wrong things, but to make sure they didn't eat the right thing that had been offered to an unholy pagan god. And so you have this Christian community, Jews and Gentiles, different rules about eating and so the jewish christians some of them are looking at the ones who are eating this meat sacrifice to idols and saying oh my gosh these people are just like gross and it's so nasty and um and then the other offended yeah they're offended yeah like this is offensive right because it's like you're what are you okay with zeus are you okay with hermes and pan and diana and all these gods and then the um but on the other hand, the the people that were eating the meat were looking at the Jews and saying, the Jewish Christians and saying, well, why don't, why don't you guys eat it? We know that those idols don't mean anything now, that Jesus is king of kings, lord of lords, and all those other things are just fake, so they may think it was sacrifice. Yeah, and this and cut is pretty tasty. And look at the marbling on this beef. Come on, get a piece of this Wagyu steak. So uh, and the lobster thermidor is fantastic. You gotta try it. So the, so the, the, these are the quarrels, and Christians are good at fighting uh, in all kinds. Of, and they were good. They were good at the beginning. Never listen to anyone who says they want to go back to the purity of the early church in the New Testament because it didn't exist. No, it didn't exist. So uh, Paul says, "It ain't your business what other people are doing. If somebody's eating meat or somebody's a vegan." if somebody is celebrating one day and avoiding another it's the Lord's deal to sort that out not yours because we are all in Christ and it's uh, from an ethical standpoint it's really interesting because we human beings like to divide the world into good and bad and there's like good categories and bad categories and you know uh, uh, for here Paul is saying actually on some level it doesn't he's matter Jesus. Yes.
1: he's echoing Jesus he's saying like in this age there are wheat and darnel. They're going up wheat and tears at the same exact time, and uh, yeah, that's uh, it's it's Darnell is not your your cousin.
0: No, in Heyhira, Georgia, it's a a, a weed that looks like weed and grows up at the same time.
1: But it's a that's exactly what he's saying, and uh, we love to um, we love to put ourselves above others, and we love to be the right ones. you know, as in excess, saying there's a devil inside. Well, mm-hmm. there's a Pharisee inside all of us. You know, um, that is um, that's more pressing, and uh, especially in the church. And uh, you know, we were talking about, it, and you had a great illustration about this earlier, Aaron, um, in our pregame. Yeah, that's um, right. Where you talked about uh kind of. Um, well, why don't you go ahead and share it? I think it's this is this is a key illustration if you're going to preach on this text. Well, I think I will, Jake. So this passage talks about uh, quarreling
0: in the church and it uses subject matter that is pretty foreign to us. Most of us don't encounter meat that has been knowingly sacrificed to idols on a regular basis. It still happens in other places in the world, but not, I can show you a few places in New York city, but but it doesn't, I tell you, it doesn't happen in Waco, Texas. So the, um, how to connect this with somebody's actual real life. So, uh, one of the situations that happens a lot, and you, you see these on these videos that get posted online these days, is there will be an immigrant to the United States who doesn't speak English or doesn't speak it well. And a person who is fluent in English will criticize that person publicly and say, hey, speak English. You're in America now. You got to learn the language here. And there's an attitude there which is counter to what is in this passage. Yeah, that's right. Because what mm-hmm. this is saying is when there is someone doing something that you disagree with, your job is not to correct them and say, hey, you got to come to my level. Your job is actually to go to their level. And this comes that's from right. Jesus Christ himself, who when he saw us... Um, in his humility, he came to take on human flesh and be like us. He didn't say, hey, you got to be perfect and godlike like me to get up to my level. He put on human flesh. He became poor. He learned how to speak. You know, he was in the high-up position of power. He was like the, Amer- the rich Americans speak English, but instead he came down and learned uh, to speak Aramaic and learned the cultural customs of his day, and he, he just came to us. And that's what a Christian attitude is. So the next time you're with, uh, you're out, and you want to judge somebody for not following some rule and being up at some level that you have attained, although you have attained it more through luck than any goodness that you personally have, uh, the Christian attitude is to come to their level. The Christian attitude is to say, "I'm going to use my mangled, whatever foreign language to try to speak to this person." come to where they are, as opposed to demanding they come up to, to where you are, uh, yeah. not to judge. And, and so I think, you know, I, I like to imagine myself having, a like, a judgment breathalyzer, like you do for alcohol, blood alcohol content. Like, I think of myself breathing this thing, oh, looks like I'm pretty... Whoop, whoop, coming back super judgmental, better back it off. So mm-hmm. take that little judgment breathalyzer with you, and uh, and and uh, and just be aware, because this is, you know, Jesus says... Don't look at the speck in your brother's eye. Look at the, the, um, the, uh, um, the plank in your own. So be aware of your own plank. And for those of you who feel like, well, this that's an example about speaking languages, and it's not a moral thing. And it's, you know? well, but I would say the heart. If there's a judgmental right. anger in your heart, it is a hundred percent a moral issue, because there was judgmental anger in the hearts of these Christians who were quarreling with one another. And the fact of the matter is, by the way, if we're talking about immigrants from latin america i guarantee you in 99.9 percent of the time they are some form of christian and if you are a christian they are your brother and sister in christ and therefore you need to treat them as christ would treat them actually you should treat everybody that way but especially if they're your
1: sibling in jesus all right Mm. to the 10 listeners who remain so well then we come to this place of uh in continuation from last week we come to this passage of uh Really, we're talking about forgiveness, and so when Jesus gives us the number, he says um, seventy-seven times. That's as many times as I need to forgive. And I think Aaron, you're at about seventy-three. Yep, you're and seventy-six so with me. on
0: my end. So you're closer, <laughs> just
1: right up to the
0: end zone there of no more forgiveness so, yeah, I for mean, you.
1: you know, <laughs> then you're cut off. Yep.
0: Forever. You know, and that, but that is the thinking that Peter demonstrates, and Christians are like this too. We want a number. Tell us what to do. How much Jacob, do I have to tithe? How far is too far. Yeah, this is what so, this uh, was yeah. what when you were a youth pastor in San Diego, this is what every yeah. kid asked you or wanted to ask you, but was too embarrassed to ask you. Yeah, how far second base? How far is too far? You know. For adults, it's like I I drink, but like not too much. You know, I'm not like that guy over there. Or I you know,
1: how much do I have to tithe? Or Or just it comes to anything. I mean like I mean all sorts of things yeah quantify uh, it you know i mean you know but like i mean is that forgivable oh god could never forgive me for that yeah you know what i mean i mean Argus back to Romans too because it's at this moment where we love to categorize people. Yep. You know what I mean? That might be too far. Yep. You know, and so as opposed to stooping down to their level. That's right. And uh and uh, meeting people right where they're at. And I'm speaking about myself right now. I need that, Aaron. So, but uh, you know, yep. but uh, it's it's that we we wanting to quantify, Peter wants to quantify and characterize in this moment. Yeah, because Jesus has just told a story about conflict in the church and said if your
0: brother sins against you you go to him and try to resolve it and then jesus gave instructions like if that doesn't work then go with some witnesses and then bring the whole church on board but basically it begins with this thing like if your brother or sister sins against you go to them and try to resolve it which is a sense jesus saying assume a posture of humility and forgive them that's what you're trying to do because you have to reconcile and you can't reconcile without forgiveness so so peter's question is well how many times do i have to do this like uh, there must be some limit, and you can sense that Peter thinks he's being super generous. He's like, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't, I would do this, you know, maybe four, five, maybe even seven times if I really loved the person, you know, feeling kind of confident, patting himself on the back, and then Jesus blows it out of the water and says, no, you've missed the point, because you have been forgiven by God for everything. Ever. Mm-hmm. Forever. And if that's... Endeavor. Endeavor. So, if you've been forgiven <laughs> that much, and then you're going to come nickel and dime somebody, and, and by yeah. the way, this attitude, again, people hate it when I get real world with the spirituality, your attitude about people that are driving uh, in cars around you, <laughs> um, your black heart is unforgiving towards them all the time. Uh, no. And... Um, and, 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 like a, you know, I'm like this, too. I think we all have this tendency um, to just uh, you give ourselves a break, let ourselves off the hook, and hold other people to an impossibly high standard mm. that we would never um, mm. uh, uh, hold ourselves to. We say all the are, time when we make mistakes, I do this and other people, lots of people, do, we say, well, I'm only human. Mm. But when was the last That's time... That's the problem. When was the, well, yeah, and when was the last time... Somebody did you wrong and you're like, well, they're only human. Like so this is yeah. the attitude Jesus is kind of pointing out here. This in this parable, there's a servant of this king and he gets forgiven yeah, like hugely 10,000
1: talents. Like, I mean, it's an infinite
0: amount of it's money. It's like billions of dollars he could never repay. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and he holds the feet to the fire of this person who owes him, like, five bucks and throws his whole family into debtor's prison over it. And
1: this is what we often do. Yeah, this comes out in my life, uh, specifically with people who don't curb their dogs. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I just, oh, my God, it causes my blood to boil. And um, and the other uh, day, I saw one of the culprits in our neighborhood, and it's, like, literally, like, an 80-year-old woman who can't bend over and pick up, you know what I mean? And I, would like, uh... Throw her in prison. <laughs> but, <laughs> Officer, like, I'd like, I'd, I, I've made a citizen's arrest. Like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would like her. Uh, so anyway, but um, just kidding. But uh, no, that's the point is that um, you have this person who has more money than or owes more money than could ever possibly be paid. And he goes out and he nickel and dimes everybody else. And this is the thing. And have you ever noticed, I mean, self-righteous people are some of the worst people to be around. I mean, it's just, it's brutal. And, uh, and ultimately, you won't stay away from their judgment either. And, um, and uh, but I think that that is, this, this, really the theme of this parable is amazing grace. How sweet the sound. You know, um, like that old saying that your grandma told you, whenever you point one finger out, never forget there are three fingers pointing right back at you. Well, yeah. And the, and the good news of the gospel is is that actually um, those fingers now are pointed at Jesus. And, uh, you know, and you have been forgiven much. And uh, this really um, is that, that word of forgiveness, that word of mercy changes, changes our hearts you know, to, um, to be a forgiving people.
0: Yeah. There's, uh, there's a couple of, if, if you're a preacher that likes, uh, witticisms, nice turns of phrase, you know, there's that statement, if we all, you know, it, the rule is an eye for an eye, but if you follow that, we'll all be blind. Um, and then I had another good one that I can't, uh, can't quite remember now about, oh yeah, the, about forgiveness. It, this one comes from the world of the 12 step recovery movement, um, which is, uh, you know, Jake right now is sitting at uh, his office in the building next to Calvary Church in New York City, where uh, jo- um, Shoemaker was the was the rector and who's a Episcopal clergyman who's instrumental in the founding of, of AA. But my point is, um, actually, he probably sat in the office where you now sit. That was like right here, yep. like his Absolutely. desk. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, they, one, this is not in the 12 steps, but this is a common saying in, in those meetings that uh, to have resentment against someone else is like um, drinking poison and hoping the other person will die and uh, there's this attitude of unforgiveness that actually corrodes you and your heart and your soul and your spirit which is why i think jesus puts in the lord's prayer forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us if if you are receiving forgiveness but not doling it out there's some there's some kind of connection that's broken there and um and it will be to your detriment
1: i think the other thing that this kind of illustrates too is is how because the way this man is relating, so he has just been related to by uh, the king in a gracious way. But the way he relates to everybody else is by way of the law. You know, tit for tat. You do this, you should. I should get this. Um, quantitatively. And... Uh, Um, It shows that where this kind of relationship ultimately leads to with each other and with God, and it leads to death. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only only relationship, the only way that life is lived uh, with uh, your neighbor and uh, beginning with God himself is one that relates to God and your neighbor by grace and uh, by forgiveness and mercy. Indeed, love is the foundation of the Christian faith, but the cornerstone, that which holds it all together, is, um, is, is forgiveness. And, uh, and I think that's what's really missing in, in our society right now, and why we can't hear each other, is because um, we're, all, um, we're all wanting to win. Mm. We're all relate, relating to each other and, uh, and needing payback. And um, I think um, a beautiful thing would be uh, a year of Jubilee where we would forgive each other, um, you know, stop demanding our rights. And uh, and, um, and I don't mean that in a, like a, a big picture kind of um, sense. I mean that in a, in a personal sense, what's owed me. That's what I'm talking about here. Um, I think to, to drop that and to relate to people uh, through the means of grace and, and forgiveness and asking for that, as it says, um, in the ruthless moral inventory and then going and making amends that is a powerful, powerful way to relate to one another and to relate to God, and it changes everything. Amen. Well, I think
0: uh, let's you and I work on that over the next week, and we'll come back tomorrow com- or com- next week for you know just completely changed, different people.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, um, and guess what, Aaron? What, Jake? That seventy, that seventy-seven times, it's gone. <laughs> oh man, I just reached my limit. <laughs>
0: Well, fortunately, there's
1: no limit with God's grace or... I know, uh, and, and, or mine now. That's right. So I love you, man. Well, there so is a good. limit to this
0: podcast, and I think we've reached it. So yep. uh, God bless you all as you seek to preach or as you seek to hear a preacher. And again, thank you for the good feedback that you provide us, uh, listeners, and the reviews on um, iTunes. That's a help. And uh, thanks for uh, uh, thanks for listening. And be like Jake. God bless. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Somebody's listening.